This is our second live event. I feel like everybody knows Sarah Longacre and Wendy Longacre Brown. They are our guests today and we're so excited to have them. We're all, we've all had birth and we've all, we're all gonna have death. I don't think any of us right now are, hopefully. Well, if we do, we've got someone here to help us. <laughs> <laughs> You're my doula for my second baby. I mean, let's cut to the chase. I saw your vagina with the head coming it's out. It's true. Oh, <laughs> going to be showing that today so can we add that to the pod podcast episode no no uh you have says no this podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests the content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only this podcast also does not establish a standard of care doctor patient or client relationship no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website and because each person is so unique all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson. And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. We're so happy you guys are here. We cannot believe it. This is our second live event. And we've like tripled the number. Yeah, of we did people. triple. And we appreciate it. It looks good. Like we have an aisle and everything down the middle. The moment we have been waiting for, I feel like everybody knows Sarah Longacre and Wendy Longacre Brown. They are our guests today. And we're so excited to have them. We're going to talk about birth and death and everything in between. We have a beautiful birth doula, an end of life doula and so many incredible stories that they're going to share with us and we're going to have a moment at the end for questions if anyone has questions and we are just going to dive into the we intros. are going to dive in i want to welcome everybody as well this has been just an incredible place to do our first live uh recording last time and nick thank you for offering again and we added 30 more chairs and it worked out well and Anyway, so I'm really, really excited. These were so, this was so much fun last time and it went really well. It videoed beautifully in the studio. So while we wish there was like a whole nother section so we could do like a hundred more people, welcome to this edition of We're Not Fine. We're very excited and very excited for this topic. Um, it's like, we're all, we've all had birth and we've all, we're all gonna have death. I don't think any of us right now are, hopefully. Well, if we do, we've got someone here to help us. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's a hey, good catch. If anyone's pregnant, I'm here. I do not. So whoever lost this bracelet, <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's, first of all, let Doug and I introduce ourselves. So I'm Talia Jackson. And this I'm Doug Jensen. Doug Jensen. Yep. And we've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half. This is my handsome husband slash bartender. Mm -hmm. My right pod there, husband. <laughs> yes, I have a house husband and a pod husband. Yep. Um. And this podcast, We're Not Fine, it's all about relationships and mental health issues. And we found that every single topic under the sun ties into relationships. And it so sure does. I mean, we kind of started very focused on that. And really, everything we're going to talk about today affects so many people. So very personal stories for the two of you, but everybody in your life has been involved in your story. So we're very That's excited right. to have you here. And of course, we are clinicians, mental health we clinicians. Are. We're psychotherapists, so we really take a mental health point of view on all of the symptoms that we might be talking about today as well. 
We're going to keep it as light as we can, though. And quick, quick intro of our beautiful team here. We've got Supak on the drums. Just kidding. She's our, <laughs> she's our producer. And we've got Jeff and John, who are our AV guys. Okay, without further ado, I get to introduce Sarah Longacre, the one and only. And I met you 16 years ago when I was pregnant for the first time. And I was like, what is this amazing studio called Bluma? And it was yoga and all things prenatal and motherhood. And I feel like it was all about community. And there has been nothing since this just like a one of a kind experience. And so it's so funny because there are two other lovely ladies here. Amber and Jamie, that we were in your, like, we were your guinea pigs. We were like your first <laughs> class. Jamie was actually one of my first models, too. For, she was all over, the, for all over the website, yeah. And she was wow. my first um, prenatal, prenatal yoga teacher. And I was like, mm -hmm. we're going to be best friends. And I was right, the yeah. psychic. Yeah. <laughs> Funny she was mine, too, for prenatal. Oh, I knew it. I knew you were there. Yeah. Um, Sarah is just fantastic and everyone knows her like six degrees of kevin bacon um you're my doula for my second baby i mean let's cut to the chase i saw your vagina with the head coming it's out true. Oh, yeah. that it's is true like, there are no photos we are not going to be showing that today so can we add that to the pod podcast episode no no uh you supak says no supak says no she's our hr department actually supak's Jamie. wife is our <laughs> yeah our hr 22 years of prenatal yoga experience or no birth doula experience and a mere 18 years of prenatal yoga. It'll be 20 this November that I taught my very first class. Yeah. That's fantastic. I know. And you have this wild entrepreneurial spirit. Some days. Some days. <laughs> and you had a podcast of your own called Belly Up. I did. I had a, po a podcast that's pausing right now. It was called Belly Up. And most people think that because I'm a birth doula and I own a prenatal yoga studio that it was about literally belly but I actually just really like to drink and I really oh, like <laughs> I really like conversation so the whole idea is belly up to the bar so I have guests just like you guys in person they pick a cocktail um, some people have on the audience today have been um, my dear friend Sarah Branyan was a surrogate uh, so we just have all different conversations and I, I believe that the the platform of podcasts is beyond education. It, it just, it, it's community. Yeah, it is. And um, it's been really a, a wonderful choice that I made as well. So it'll, we'll bring it back. We'll yeah, it back. it's okay to take a pause, have a cocktail. I'm learning that, I'm learning yeah. that, yeah. Have a cocktail and belly up. Exactly, yep. or just take a nap. And, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have not done winter. anything prenatal. I have to come clean on that. Um, it has not happened but for me. But rumor However, has it you were at your children's birth. I was <laughs> at my at one of them. The other is adopted. Yes. So, so you, yeah, you've, I have seen it, and yeah. I have seen vaginas. Yes, you I can have. Tell you that. Can as we get a, a round man, of applause? I, as a gay man, I've seen vaginas. You yeah. have. Um, Congratulations. But I want to introduce Wendy. Hello. Beautiful. Hi. Hello. Did you say? Did you? Hello. <laughs> got this beautiful dark. Can you do that again? Hello, Hello, Hello Wendy. Um, <laughs> Wendy Longacre Brown is a trained and certified end of life doula and legacy creator through International End of Life uh, Doula Association. Enelda, I think, is the acronym. She's also trained in Healing Touch, which I'm fascinated by. I'd like to hear more. Um, she currently serves as the membership coordinator and is one of the founding members of the Minnesota Death Collaborative. And I told you, Wendy, like one of my major interests has been since I've worked in HIV and AIDS since the early 90s and death was 
a predominant uh, factor of that pandemic. Mm -hmm. I've worked with death and dying since graduate school, and I would love to hear more from you and mm -hmm. kind of your experience. You know, while luckily people are on medications now that keep them alive, but uh, there's still complications, but it's been around me forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and boy, was that tough and traumatizing. So imagine. I'm going to look forward to this. Yeah. So we have our birth, we have our death, and they also are here to talk about this incredible experience they had with their beautiful mom, who I met a few times at Luma, <laughs> Cheryl. <clears throat> and she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she did something really brave that you don't really hear much about. <clears throat> it's voluntarily stopping eating and drinking to hasten the dying process which it sounds like it was like a family to say, I, we're gonna hear all about it. We don't know much about it, but we wanna hear that experience as well. Oh, and you guys have been really on Star Trib, um, Kathy Wurzer, NPR. Like Wendy just got top five stories of 2023 <gasps> on NPR. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. We're honored to have you here. Oh, thank you. How yes. sweet. You know, and it's interesting. I think one of the greatest places we might start this podcast is by learning more about what a doula is. Yeah. Um, one of our AV guys said, what's a doula early to me? <laughs> yes. And so maybe start a little bit. I'd love yeah. to hear how you two got interested, but also like, what is it? Sure. Well, I, t I think it's too, it's just really important to acknowledge that yep. two sisters born and raised in Minneapolis. Yep. Um, I came back here because of being a birth doula 20 years ago this week. I moved back actually. Um, and just really the reality, we have many of our best friends here tonight that we're super open about. It. We're very different people. We don't, we sound a lot alike, <laughs> I would say, our voices. Although when she said hello. I know she did, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> she does. Um, but just really two very different personalities and the fact, I mean, our mom would always say when she was with us, I have the bookends, I have the bookends of uh, the doulas uh, and just how special that was. So yeah. yeah, so I can start a little bit with my journey um, back in 2000 when I lived in Portland, Oregon. Um, I worked for Nike as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, and had this literally a dream job. I mean, it was a dream job. I worked with samples and photo shoots. I hired models. I traveled. And most importantly, I had a 401k and a study paycheck. And, wow. And the kick-ass campus with all these young, beautiful people, which many of them were between the ages of, let's say, 28 and 45, right? Portland, Oregon. And I lived in Portland when it was hippie, not hipster. It mm. is now. And I literally heard of this word doula, a birth doula. And I asked my neighbor who was telling me that she had a birth doula. I said, what, what? And she described what it was. And it it just, this feeling landed in me. It's, it's very cheesy and I always get, I rarely blush, but I feel blushy when I say this, that ever since I was a little girl, I really have been obsessed with the pregnant body. Wow. I used to take a pillowcase underneath my robe, my uh, pajamas when I was little, and in, in our home right here in, <laughs> in Minneapolis, and I would pretend I was pregnant. I'm quite surprised I actually wasn't a teenage pregnancy <laughs> because I was always so excited to, to be pregnant myself. So I found out through this neighbor what a, what a, a doula is. So a birth doula is emotional and physical support. I do add in the word spiritual. Emotional, physical, and spiritual support for families in birth huh. and in pregnancy. So right away, we if we just close our eyes and envision, what does this person looks like? They are a coach. They're a tour guide. They're a cheerleader. We are your rock mm -hmm. through pregnancy and through the birthing process. One miss, you know, 
personally, people are like, oh, you must love babies. I don't like babies. I'm not a baby person. Oh my God, me neither. Oh my God, no. Don't tell you're, you're just like the body. Well, I'm just like, no, I, <laughs> leave, I leave when the baby comes. Okay. You like to nurse. I think you like I to nurse. I like to nurse. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to like, mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That was fine. That was I fine. I really, who doesn't? I liked my own kid, kind of. I like her a lot now, but. Are they in the audience? She's not. I wanted her to that come, but really she's true. like, I'm so over <laughs> you and Wendy talking about <laughs> Nani and all of it. But so basically, you know, we are there as your advocate. We don't do anything medical. But really, I mean, picture you're going to a country you've never been to before. Mm -hmm. You don't know the currency. Yep. You don't know the language. I've been to this country. And there, I mean, every birth is different. Yep. But I'm going to be your person with you through high and through low. And we meet prior. And this is, I've got a, some dear doula friends in the audience, so I, I want to make sure I'm hitting all the spots, is that we are your one consistent. Yep. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to use Talia, right? So Talia hired me because so we, I went to her home, sat with she and Rob, talked about what are you looking for in your birth? Another uh, people uh, misconception. They think that it has, oh, well, I don't want a natural birth. If you have a scheduled cesarean, if you know you want pain management, you actually need a doula even more because there are so many more complications that could possibly happen. Yeah. And we want to hold that space. So I go to Rob and Talia's house, we talk about the highs and lows of birth, and then I'm on call. And so I get a good old call at two in the morning or whatever it is, and I go meet the family in their home. I then continue with them either to a birth center, the hospital, or I will stay if they're having a home birth. And I am the one person that they've already met, they already know my voice, they know my touch. We've made this deep connection because birthing is just like death, one of the most vulnerable things mm -hmm. that you can do. Yeah. You have to surrender to completely transform. And not only is a baby born, but you as a human are born and your partner's born. Your family has totally changed and you need someone to be there to say, this is normal. You are okay. Let me get you something to eat and to drink. That nurse that is there, mm -hmm. they have a lot to do medically and you've never met them. What if they're really bad juju? You're like, who is this person? <laughs> I'm the one that they know. Right. I'm the one that the dad looks at and I'm like, you need to go take a break. And he's like, I do. This is scary. Or the partner. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my role is to be the coach and the advocate and the cheerleader. And then I stay for a couple hours after the birth and then I'm ready to You're go like, home. Your belly's up. <laughs> I'm going to stay off topic as I usually do or off, yeah, yeah. off the agenda here. Um, I have like multiple questions. So how do the medical community, how does the medical community invite you in? Like, do yeah. they feel welcome? Well, it's so interesting. I was thinking, you know, 20 years ago, it was like, what's a doula? What's a doula? What's a doula? Yep. Now, um, no offense, but now most people do <laughs> Jeff. In, in our in our kind of age range, we know. And yep. the crazy part is, is, you know, I've been a doula for this long. One of my first clients, he's engaged. Like, well, he knows what a doula is. Yep. When he has a baby, yep. he'll be choosing a doula. So it's it's becoming more of a household name, the birth, the birth doula mm -hmm. piece. So, yep. um, does that, yeah. It totally explains it. And obviously the medical community is more welcoming of you coming into that birth center and being a part It took of a while, Doug. It, it took did. a while. I mean, work, right? I, I will say those first, that first decade, like yeah. you got the look of like, stay out of my territory, bitch. Right. You know, yeah. like mm -hmm. it was tough. It was, it was ugly. And I am really good at kissing ass. Yeah. So I'm really, really good doula. Well, wow. I was going to ask if you were more confrontational because you were very, like you were in this amazing advocate. And the best part is it's exactly like you said, this country we've never been to. And you were like, 
Do you need chapstick? Do you need a warm <laughs> blanket? Do you want a foot massage? I hopefully didn't ask because that's my big thing as a doula. You don't ask because I don't want to put you in your head. No. I just brought you that gloss, that lip gloss you that did. I still carry in my bag that is a little mint tint. My my <laughs> lips are still Thank glistening. You. Thank you. <laughs> Do male partners get lip gloss too? Male partners get so oh, much yeah. so much oh, love oh, from me gloss. because a lot so of times weak. like, you know, that's the big thing too is that people are like, well, no, my partner can do it. They can. They can't, but yep. I have to remind you, they're also watching this person that they love mm -hmm. going through the most physical and emotional intensity than they have ever done. I mean, let's get real. It's a small hole and it's a human being and it yeah, has to come out. Real. Like it's- We're it's, gonna draw you a diagram. <laughs> hey, I had gallstones. I know what it is. Anybody? So Anybody? close, She's gonna be so here. close. <laughs> Our mother passed kidney stones. Our mom, mom passed was, kidney stones while she was, she was delivering our brother. Yeah. yeah. Holy oh shit. That was hard. Pay you can't I won't be that. there. Let me yeah. ask you as well. Are there yeah. male birth doulas? You know, it's a great question for some of my doulas. I know that there was one in Colorado, right, Sarah? Yeah, one in Denver because he had three daughters and his daughters each asked if, they, if he would be at their birth. And then he's, they started passing out their dad's name like he's really great, which is interesting. My daughter was born at my father's um, home. It, he lived on a farm in Stillwater. Huh. My mother was, sorry, mom, she, I still feel bad, but she was not invited to any one of Wendy's three births or my two births. Um, and my dad was a total rock. I mean, he was great. So um, it's all about just the energy that we're bringing to the room. Yep. We want the birthing person to feel seen. We want yep. them to feel heard. And at the end of the day, when they are holding their baby, we want them to say, I knew all my choices. Mm -hmm. I picked the ones that I needed and that I wanted. And I felt, I felt taken care of. Because we know that this transformative stage in a human's life you give birth and then you all of a sudden take this thing home and you're like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. We know that their birth affects it the way that they feel about themselves mm -hmm. and the treatment that they had. Yep. And so that's where the medical community is really starting to pivot and say, we need you. COVID's one of the best things that's happened to doulas because when we were kicked out of the hospital for about two months, they said, nope, bring them back. We need them. We need them. So yep. yeah, we're getting there. Love it all. And now we have entering life and <laughs> right. leaving life. It is. I love listening because there's so many similarities. I mean, it's how yeah. I knew yep. right away when I heard about the word death doula, which yeah. I didn't know about at all. When did you hear about it? How did you hear um, about it? So a few months after um, our uncle had died, Sarah and I took a course called um, Speaking of Dying, where you met with a small group of people and filled out your health care directive. And it actually was... Um, taught by the midwife that I had for my last two children. So it was sort of all comes together in, in a lovely, beautiful circle of, yep. of relationships. She left midwifery and decided she really wanted to focus on the wow. end of life. Yeah, so she facilitated this. And and actually in that particular speaking of dying course, we learned about VSED, we learned about all these things about options. So I kept thinking, I don't know if, I'll, if I want to be a facilitator, if I'm a teacher, but I, th there's an interest in here. Yep. And I was standing at my island in the kitchen and on the phone with Sarah, and you said, well, there are death doulas. And the moment she said it, it's like when you know this is your this. spouse or like wow. you're, you need to move something, like yep. this is it. Yep. Um, so it took about a year for me to sit with it um, because in our family, we had loss. <laughs> My, our mother lost her parents in the world's worst plane crash in 1977. Oh. Oof, so, so we had sorry. dealt yep. with grief. Yep. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily taboo to talk about death. But I also had a sense that for being in a family, we talk about anything. 
I didn't know how to Sometimes approach. Sometimes too much. Yeah, often too much. Mm-hmm. I was finding myself, aside from good friends, I, I felt like, mm, this is such a sensitive topic. How do I want to go about this? So it took me about a year to first volunteer in many hospice scenarios. Um, well, can we just pause too? Because that when we took that course that year, I had lost my daughter at 21 weeks in utero and Wendy came to the birth. And then we had lost our uncle, my mother's brother, which is a huge part of the story. But you had seen death. And I think you were even questioning like, why are we handling it this way? Right. Who's who's here for this for Sarah? Who's here for you know all of the layers? So right. I think you had had like those perfect kind of puzzle pieces come together. Completely. Well, and I want to jump on that a little bit. So first yeah. of all, I'm sorry for your loss. That's really tragic, of so, course, and yeah. I can't imagine how complicated. Um, but I will tell you, I'm kind of curious what you saw. Like, mm. what was it about that experience where you saw people struggling with death or struggling to be supportive or talking it through? Because you know, you and I both know, Wendy, that this is something that people don't talk about well. Right. You know, in these healthcare declaratives or directives that people are now encouraged to do in the hospitals, freak people the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's a really difficult topic to think about, like, how do I want to die? What am I comfortable doing? And when, you, when I would we'd hear these facts that, you know, seven out of 10 people want to die in the hospital, yep. six out of 10 do. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, they're, it's just, it's, they're not, because they're not having discussions with their doctors. Seven about, out of 10 want to die at home. I'm sorry. Seven out of 10 want to die at home and seven out of 10 die in the hospital. Um, and so it's just, it's not exactly, the odds are, unless you're talking about it before, unless you have a very clear healthcare directive and you've been having discussions with your spouse, um, and even if you have filled out your healthcare directive and the right people don't have it, you know, so there's all of these elements to it. But even before that, um, there was this very clear, like, no one is talking about this. And I could get a sense in the community that there were more discussions that were just kind of lingering. And even I, I mean, as Sarah said, somebody who has always been in a family that can talk about everything. And at this point, our mother really was interested in talking about her life. So I think that helped. Um, she was diagnosed a year, a couple years after about this time that I was interested in becoming a doula. Um, and so she had learned at that point that there was this option to VSED. And so even way before we were in the midst of it, um, we knew that she she had a very strong opinion that she wanted to not go into the final stages of Alzheimer's. So be, so that was all a part of it. And it was also, there was a group called the, the Threshold Network in the, in the Twin Cities that talk about green burial um, and home services. But there wasn't necessarily a community that was supporting end-of-life doulas and both educating people about what doulas do, which I'll get to, um, and also just learning from each other. Um, and so to answer your question, though, about as far as what do death doulas do, it's very similar. I mean, it's almost to a T. Um, Chapstick. Yeah, chapstick okay. is helpful. Chapstick we we have our tinctures. I have so many tinctures. I'm a tincture guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. My friend Allison um, does too. Where she- <laughs> so, but it's emotional, physical, spiritual support around end of life. And that can, hopefully it starts um, as soon as the diagnosis is set in or potentially before. So, I mean, we do meet with people if they're if it's at a stage in their life where, 
um, they want to create a legacy, but they don't have, there's no reason to think that they're going to die anytime soon, but they really want to start writing down what their heart will is and what they want to be remembered for. And if something did happen, what they want it to look like, if they want to be surrounded by these five people, they want the smell to be vanilla and they want to make sure that they're touched at all times um, and that they want to make sure their family is there at their last breath. So, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of choices and decisions that you can make. I mean, as a 50, 50 year old, I'm, I have a healthcare directive that I, it's funny. Your my, my thought process around death continues to change. And so there's that, which I, I love, I'm constantly learning about, you know, through experiences. Um, I remember in the beginning, I was watching a documentary about a death where they brought the body home right away. It was unexpected. And at first it was a bit shocking. And then after maybe six months, a year, I thought, oh yeah, that's, that is what I would want. I c you can see how grief is, um, and this is just in general, like if when you're talking about it more, when you're involving the family, um, mortality doesn't seem so scary. And, you know, it is something where, um, you know, if, I mean, there's obviously, there's a lot of introspection that we're doing, but um, when you're planful, um, you can be present. Well, I think just such, I, well, obviously we talk all the time. She's like, oh, I just left a client's house. The wife called, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, two out of the three kids are very on board for this and this and this. But think about this wife now, I'm just using an example, like has Wendy now just like Talia had me, to call, to lean on. This is what's happening. And then she goes over and sits with them. What does this process look like? How can we make it so that it's a peaceful, everyone feels heard, everyone. And she is that tour guide, that coach, that, that support. And the resources, because we don't have the answers to all of these things. And we lean on all of our teams um, of friends and birth doulas and death doulas to support. So I mean, that that's, it's like, it's not just, the two of us, we have so much backing. Right. When, I mean, oh, right. So, I mean, it is both having, I think Sarah and I both can have that like, equanimity where you're just able to balance the stress and, and the beauty and just find that middle ground really well. Um, but it is making sure that they're using all the resources because like a birth doula, we aren't able to be a part of any, any of the medical side, but the sooner that you bring a doula in, the sooner you probably will bring hospice in because that's extremely important and we need hospice, but we will be the ones that are more consistently next to um, our clients because that's just the, the way that um, healthcare is right now with hospice. I will tell you, this just brings up so many questions for me. Um, and again, I think watching people with AIDS die in the really rough time of the epidemic, there were so many complicating factors with family, et cetera, um, and wills and all that sort of the legalities when gay marriage was not legal. Um, I wanna ask, and I know this is probably a silly question now that I'm asking it, but are there anybody, is there anybody who does not have a diagnosis who has approached you? And I'm talking about like suicide assistance. I know there's a legality about this, but. Well, we don't call it assisted suicide. Because, okay. I mean, it's just, I know. I, and yeah, so because that it is really, I mean, suicide is so different from having a planful, voluntarily stopping eating and drinking or. Or having a diagnosis that is terminal. I think it's right. very different. I mean, right. one is uh, a, a position that's very much about like self-will and self-determination where there is a diagnosis like for your mother or someone with AIDS or cancer is who's going to go through a difficult process. Do people approach you when there's not a health condition? 
Um, I've never been approached by anyone as far as um, helping them with a suicide, if that's what you're asking me. I am. Okay. <laughs> Nobody. I should cut to it, that it, chase. It, it, no, no, no. It's a hot like topic Like somebody who just right doesn't now. want to live in this fucking well, crazy world. Yeah. Of us, no, right? but I mean, it is a very hot topic because I know a lot of people probably know in this room that um, the End of Life Minnesota Act is heading to the legislature this week, and so that's it what is, I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So I mean, there are 11 out of 50 states that have medical aid and dying already passed, um, and so there's a lot of education that <clears throat> it needs to be very clear just the difference even between medical aid and dying and V said. Um, and there's there's confusion because there are unfortunately a lot of people that think that it will be abused and that if someone that you know that is depressed would get their hands on it. But the reality, just to be clear, is that you do need a, a six month or less to live diagnosis. I hear you. Yep. Um, and, and that's and, my understanding as well. But you know one of the things that you and I both experience in our practice is that, you know, the political and the George Floyd's murder and the pandemic, these have caused so much stress for people that are just like done. They're like, I just don't know what the point of all of this is anymore. So I'm just very clear that the suicide rates are up significantly in our nation as well. I um, might suggest therapy as an alternative. There's that. <laughs> what is what is therapy? <laughs> and some I, yoga. Um, I yes, and yoga. I wanted to jump. Did you were you in the I middle? have two more questions. Yeah. Of course oh. you do. <laughs> do you you can take your turn, though. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to jump on something that you said that I was just thinking, like, yin, yang, light, dark, to, you know, the like book ends. I. Like you and I. Good cop, Avoidant, bad cop. direct. <laughs> <laughs> but he said. What but he that said. you meet in the middle with this helping families with stress and beauty it's like stress and beauty in both of them because what i'm picturing is that you sit with this like crescendo <laughs> of excitement and joy and stress and panic but it's like celebration yeah. and that you're sitting in so much grief and everybody is i mean it's just beautiful to think about people all sitting together to experience this together but I, we're going to dive into existential crisis stuff later because I feel like there's so much fear around death that I just can't even imagine what it would be like being like, I'm holding your hand, but I don't know where you're going. Good luck. Well, that brings That's up. That's probably not what you said. Well, and I just, <laughs> I, 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 I don't feel like I'm not, I don't want to be feel like I'm defending this so stop me Wendy if, if this feels like it but it's so interesting because it is grief but because the doula and in depending what death death it is it can like, be a celebration too I mean my yep. mom is free like she's not in pain and like it her death was it was a fucking 10 day long process but there was so much celebration for what we have here on earth and what we are able to do and the love so I mean there is and 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 it's just, um, it's, if you look at every other, not every, when you look at major cultures who know how to do death, there is so much mourning and grieving and all of the good stuff and there is celebration. And I think that's one of the pieces that we are not getting right in this country. It's, it's a I agree. Good you know, like when I'm so careful now when someone's like, oh, I have a funeral today. Instead of me being like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm like, I hope they lived a really kick-ass life. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do we just change that conversation? So, but it is, it's totally yin and yang. It's absolutely. Yeah, but I don't, I don't look at it as a yin yang at all. I really don't. I think there's so many more similarities. 
even just that kind of like the lineal space that right in the midst of death and birth. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we're really good at that is because like, you know, there can be like perseverance and, and you know, anxiousness before then we can help our clients plan and work through resentment and unresolved issues and guilt, shame, all those things that come both with birth and death. And then in that lineal phase of feeling out holding hand, holding space, being able vulnerable, to vulnerable, vulnerable. Right. And, um, and also making sure that, you know, that the spouse is being able to be the spouse and not the caretaker and really observing. A lot of it is observing um, because they want to know after like what they, they want to know about the nature that was going on outside. They want to know about the phone calls. They want to know the, the eye rolls that happened in the other room. They want to know all of it. They do. I mean, like, there's a lot that goes on that people are... Well, in the statistics show, if you just physically have someone in the room holding space through death or through the birth process, the satisfaction, I mean, that's such an interesting word to say, but like it, the care is there. I, you know, there's so much that Wendy and I don't actually don't have to say, but it's just physically being there. You could feel the support. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to say that you talked about like families who can have these conversations and that there isn't always agreement, right? right? Like, uh, and I want to hear your personal story about that. But, you know, I will also say that I have two kids and when I talk to them about this is how I want to die and this is what I'm looking for and feel free to pull that plug if I can't recognize you or something like this. My children are like, stop, stop talking to me. And I'm like, well, I got to do it anyway. You better write it down maybe. But the big question is, and you, you feel free not to answer this necessarily, Wendy, um, but I'm kind of curious in your role, you're going to come across a lot of spiritual beliefs about what is after this life, right? Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to comment on what you think it is? <laughs> and you don't have to do that. I'm curious no. if that guides your uh, work. Well, it does. And I have to be careful because yeah. I have a very clear, you know, and, and to that point, I have to truly show up with. So you don't have my, to answer. No, 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 I'll answer. But I <laughs> okay. have to show up where my client is. And I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was right? what I was taught by another doula right in the beginning. Yeah, when I was course. Because I'm a fixer. Yeah. And, um, and. Yeah. Yes. But, yes. Is that validated so, here? Sarah but validates. I've learned that I can't be with this. And so, I mean, I think it's, so that's kind of the coolest part about my job is that I continue to learn more about myself and grow. I mean, I'm serious. I've been thinking about this a lot these days. I think, you know what? I'm, I'm a little bit more of a patient. I'm, I'm, I listen to people and I'm not, I'm not trying to like make, make everything perfect. That's a skill. It's hard. Yeah, it she should practice hard. that on me. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hint, hint. But I, we're available to negotiate. I do. I strongly believe that, our, that, um, our spirits stay with us for quite a, a long time, be it in the room or just around our lives. So, um, I what I so often want to say to clients is that like you know the, your relationship doesn't end right here. Yep. Um, and and don't I, be scared. And don't be right? right. And don't be scared. But you have to easier said than it, done. Right. But it is because you know. And I think. I didn't truly understand that until the loss of my mom, until more like six, seven, eight months after she had yep. died, that I really felt like, oh, oh, you're here now, because I, you were out there for a while, but I feel you all the time, and so, and it, and it doesn't always happen that way for everybody. So I think um, that's why the post-death work is just as important, yep. and really getting to know that what the client's beliefs are, yep. um, and and that's I mean one of the biggest similarities between a death and a birth sure. doula yep. that. I have no agenda. I mean, someone could say like, oh, so I have to have a natural birth. Oh, so you, you come in and do this. My agenda is I'm there to support you. Mm. And I can't bring in my own stuff. And I'm really, it's taken a that's lot of births. But, 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 but that's what we do. I mean, whatever your religious belief, spiritual belief, however, you, there's no right, wrong way to birth and to die. 
as long as you have feel supported and you know so it's like mm -hmm. we just we come in with what do you need yeah yeah and there have been times where um i've had clients who had things that they wished their spouse would have said mm -hmm. um and like and i i'm sorry like what like i'm sorry mm -hmm. yeah 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 i i i there was some things that happened and i am sorry um and i I had a client who I connected with a medium and um, and it was a, she thought that I had communicated with her before and given her all this information because what she heard from her husband was so helpful um, and so unbelievable. Um, and so th sometimes that works yeah. that you actually can connect to resources yeah. that really and then sometimes um, there's just some deep sadness that that we can't help and that we do need to find a therapist or you know that um, certain rituals of letting go isn't ex all that they need. They're needing some, you know, some, another level of support that doulas don't provide necessarily. And it's not all that different than what Tali and I do in our professional offices. You know, we stay where the client is. We don't necessarily mm -hmm. get to a, have opinions on what their honest life is or what their goals are, unless it's hurting somebody, right? Right. Um, I think so I kind of love how you two following people one step ahead that like you roll out the red carpet that's so funny i say that all the time i'm like i'm always 30 minutes ahead of you at a yes. birth i'm always yeah. because then i want to give options yep. you know what what is the benefit of this what is the risk of this what is an alternative of this what does your intuition I say that yeah yeah so beautiful. i'm you're always just kind of that and that next beat while being completely present yep. and it's um, their choice like absolutely and they they ask all the time well, what would you do what would you do and i so appreciate that but i'm very clear like this is not mine. And they're like, well, really, what would you do? <laughs> but really? And I'm like, well, I don't want any more kids. I wouldn't be here, but. Because <laughs> you kind of just like the one that you have I as like it is. My one. Okay, I just do. kind I of. You. I'm sorry to interrupt your line of thinking. Thank you for answering that question. It's yeah. a complicated question, right? It is. And, it was a and good I'm guessing question. you get asked it even by families like, what is your belief? Like, do you believe what we believe? And you can help us differently if that's the case. But surprisingly it doesn't come up that often i am fascinated with yeah. that yeah that's, okay. that amazes me because yeah. i'm picturing that if i were on my deathbed i'd be like okay what do you know what it, what's who's coming to get me i might what's do that happening? right right like is it heaven and hell for you because you're out <laughs> if that's um, the case for you. so i love your answer by the way you don't have heaven and hell no you don't we don't no so where we, am i going neither do i our psychic told us where we're going Atlanta. Candyland? <laughs> Do you say Atlantis? Atlanta. Atlantis? Yeah. Atlantis City? Right. I, 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 I just wanted to share this really interesting um, parallel that it might not come up. So I just thought uh, Wendy and I have been a birth doula and a death doula for two families. So wow. the couple gave birth and he passed six months later and Wendy was their death doula. The, the father, the father. Did. Well, that's painful. this past summer to a year and a half ago. Uh, she was due. She was probably 30 weeks. Her husband died of mm -hmm. cancer at home. Wendy was the death doula. She called me a month later to be her birth doula. Oh my God. So that's I just, so I like powerful. that. Those two families just thinking of what has, it, you know, but I you have a does, good referral source. It, it is, is, and it just makes me feel even more existential dread. Just kidding, not really. <laughs> but just that it feels so transient that it can be happening at the same time in the same room with the same Literally. family. Literally. I don't like it. No. 
It's tough. It's tough. Who's going to make me feel better about my existential dread? I'll you, help you. You rocked your birth. There you go. Mm-hmm. There. Your vagina. <laughs> Am I going to rock my yeah. death? That's the question. My <laughs> yeah. vagina rocked my birth. Your vagina rocks. Yeah. Anyway, Thank you. You had a question you were asking. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you lovely ladies have any highlights and um, cautionary tales of experiences that you've had? Like if you have been in the most vulnerable moments for people of just thinking about like, were there things that people wished they had done? Were there regrets? Well, Sarah has so many. So I was like, which one is Sarah going to pick? I have visuals of a lot of yours. Like, oh, you know, not quite was, making it to the hospital, like all those. I've caught a, I've caught a few yeah. babies, but no, right. you go first. Well, I mean, there, it's a little bit about, to be honest, I mean, I um, had the gift of holding my sister's daughter um, when she was, you know, right out of, I'd say she had been alive for an hour. An hour. She'd been born for an hour. Yeah, and her mm-hmm. and her heart had stopped like right before. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't see myself in that position. It was before I was a doula, and um, but I also knew that in that moment, it I didn't know anything about doula work. It was first death doula work, but I felt like it was it was a strange feeling because it was terribly heartbreaking yet it was such a gift to be able to be there well, for it was Sarah. so funny too i birthed with my doula and my husband he was my well, husband oh my god did you make that up <clears throat> she did i have heard it before well, um, but i'm gonna give her really credit good. Credit. no my, my new fiance but no and i like the moment i gave birth i said call wendy like i i just knew and this is why i know she's such a great death doula like i just needed her energy there like I couldn't have my mom I needed Wendy and so when she came and and held Sophia it just was it was so important it was so important and I I think I and it was it was the holding and it was also when I had to take her away from Sarah um and I and that but I I think it was like a timing thing and I think I could see how someone needed like a good period of time to be with this yeah, this unborn child, this like beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I we held her for about three hours, but yeah, I mean, probably the worst moment ever in my life. Sure. And that, that and you had to have your sister do it. You know, yeah. you're just like screaming. You're like, no, 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 just screaming as she takes your daughter away, and you're never gonna hold her again. You know, just and like just, an impossible moment. But is. I will say, like, really clearly and honestly. Sophia love is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I knew the moment I was pregnant that she, her life was not viable. I knew she was here to teach me something and she changed my life in ways I won't discuss on this, but um, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I just want to observe that this is how grief works as well. It doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. It is with us. Any number of things can trigger it. So thank you for feeling comfortable sharing your emotions about this as well. It's a fucking job. We lost our mom in June and I'm like, make it stop. Waving the white flag. (laughs) But grief does, I mean, because I I could be there, but I didn't know how to do that grief either. Well, and it's personal to you, Wendy. This is your... Sure. Niece. Yeah. So it's yeah. a very different situation. But, and so, yeah. but you, I do find myself looking back and I'm like, huh, wow, didn't really show up that way or that way. Didn't, yeah. So, yep. um, but so I had, in a way, it was a gift. It was a gift that I could be there for Sarah and experience this with her, yep. not a gift to lose this child. Um, and then also times when I've seen families that have been um, 
at odds and I've brought them together right at the end over um, this one particular family over like an anoint annoying anointment ceremony where um, I thought you were going to say like an annoying brother or something yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. No. annoyment so you're you're washing the body oh um, and anoint no it is anoint? the most beautiful ritual that Wendy oh. taught us after my mom died and anyone that has anyone die I'm like you have to do this ritual it is unbelievable wow. because there, it gives people a, a pause a pause to be with this person who they've loved, who they've watched, um, so millions of dresses and stand. You know, so this was this mother who. Um, oh, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Uh, and we could talk about each part of her body. We could talk about her brain as a principal. We could talk about her, um, her hands that it was um, like played. You- the guitar, you know, so we did all lips, of these. The lips that spoke, the lips that yeah. kiss us. You touch each piece. And then you're like the ears that listen. And we were like, oh, mom wasn't a great listener. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that doesn't but, count. No. It but, was unbelievable. Yeah, oh. but yeah. to do it with this family about three, four years ago, it was one of the first times I had worked with a family in this way. Um, and so I I could see them laughing and singing, and but knowing that they had had such struggles before. Wow. And then to get a phone call that night from the from the sister who had hired me and just said, I am so much more settled than I ever imagined to be because of that time. It was some of those moments in the beginning of this career that I thought, this is why I'm doing this. Because you realize like none of that shit matters. Uh, like it's all so petty and earthly. And then when you're sitting in the presence of birth and death, it's all about love and all about relationship. And I mean, hopefully it's a wake up call. It's it's unbelievable to what, you know, Wendy was mom's main person for four years talking about this. And um, and I always had to take huge breaks because Wendy wanted to talk about mom's death way more than I did. Mm. I was like, my mom's death is going to be the death of us because this is, she's just, but she was so intentional. And so we have to think about this. We have to think about this. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to think about any of this. I don't want to think about any of yes. this. I don't want her to die. I don't want to do this. This doesn't sound, I have to watch my mom not eat. And, no, like not no. in favor. So then luckily, a few weeks, months before my mom started VSAD on May 18th, we met with two other death doulas and they came every single day and they did ritual and they just sat. And I mean, there was times I was texting them like, it wasn't all pretty and bringing people together. I was, my brother and I had the worst fight of our life ever during her death. I'm really wondering if you two might back up and tell us this story, you know, as everybody is now probably hearing these bits and pieces. Um, it feels very fresh, and you're giving us uh, a beautiful oh, story. Yeah. Like, I love talking about it, yeah. Well, that's good. want to start us? Well, so as I mentioned before, we had learned about uh, voluntarily stopping eating and drinking um, in March 2017. Mom read the book, I think, one year later, and then she was diagnosed uh, the next year. Wow. And, um, and, so, and this book... Um, Choosing to Die is about a woman um, who Phyllis Schrachter is her name, and she helped her husband, Alan, who had Alzheimer's, um, who had watched his mother die from Alzheimer's and knew that he didn't want to do it this way, but didn't know that it was an option until I think it was like a a friend who was a doctor um, slash therapist or something um, helped him, brought it to his attention. And so after this, it was... Well, and prior to this, we'd mentioned my uncle. So our... My... Grandparents, as Wendy mentioned, died in a large plane crash in history. The only sibling was my mom and Uncle Wilbill. And Uncle okay. Wilbill wasn't married. Um, at, growing up, he, he, he was married 15 years ago. Um, his wife and he lived in Ely, and we watched him suffer. 
and went into a home and, you know, couldn't talk, couldn't wipe himself. I mean, how do you, crawling on the floor. I mean, same diagnosis, did you say? Yes, Alzheimer's. Yeah, it's a horrible illness, right? It's it's the devil. It's horrible. And so we would go visit him and we would leave and my mom would say, I'm not doing that. Please. Please, 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 we have to do it a different way. So between that and then the parallel of Wendy getting this book, we were introduced to VSED. Mm-hmm. And can I ask, so you have a sibling, a brother, mm-hmm. any other siblings? Two, half, uh, half brother and half sister. Were they all involved? Uh, no, the, the, the two halves were not. Okay. They're, they're on my father's side. Yeah. Got you. And, um, and I'll just say it, they, um, religiously, they don't believe in what my mom did was okay. Okay. So Ooh, it's been really okay. tough. Yeah. That um, is really and tough. did you say there's a conflict with your brother about how to do this? Just no, we just had an afternoon that he was on call for my mom and um yeah, it was it was it was awful. It was awful. So yes, okay. I mean like you do come together but your shit still comes up, you but know. But also I think maybe it comes up around what matters, what really matters. Yeah. Like show up. And some of it's control. I would say a lot of it is control. Stress. That makes sense. Um, controlling a situation where That'd sometimes be you just controlling <laughs> an uncontrollable situation. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like the way he did it because I wouldn't have done it that way, right. and so I lost it. Yeah. So your mother read the book. So my mom got read the, the book. Diagnosis. Yeah, I've got the diagnosis, and I let her come to me first. Okay. After the diagnosis. Okay. And her husband read the book and he was right. Like, yes. Um, but she said, I definitely want to do this. Um, not even a question. And so within three months, we created um, a VSED statement, which is basically bullet points of actions that were clear signs that she was closer to starting VSED. Mm. And we revised it a few times because it would change. So the first list was about when I no longer can drive a car or when I no longer can use a microwave or cook dinner. Um, and then it those stopped. She was not able to do those things anymore, but she still could enjoy herself, have conversations with friends, still living a life that was valuable, that it was something that she felt like she still had dignity and she had grace and she found beauty, but it got, it became more and more difficult. So it, the, we knew ultimately with mom that it would be when she could not be a part of a conversation when, because she was such a vocal storyteller and she just, she wanted to be in the action. So that was going to be, and, and it was, there were times, um, especially there was, you know, so 2019, um, was when she was diagnosed and she died in 23. So there was four years and I'd say the first two, you know, we, we, we made this plan and we just drove for the first two. Yeah. We put it to the side. We, we met with hospice. They were on board. So it was like, okay, we're good. We're just going to put this to the side and live a life. Let's just, and we're going to go through each step and, and we're going to support you in this. And, and she would talk about it here and there, but it, it was often enough that people were interested. They wanted to hear about it. Yeah. You know, the Star Trib heard about it. And so it was, which was so helpful. I mean, because, well, especially because she likes the limelight too. Well, that, she, not a good she, listener, but likes the limelight. So dynamic. She's so dynamic. She lights up a room. I mean, she's great. Yeah. She's great on stage. Yeah. She was amazing. I do have a question about the Alzheimer's diagnosis and the V said, because sure. If she was getting increasingly confused and losing her memory, were you needing to remind her of these things that she had once wanted or the statement that she made of how she wants to do this? Was she able to recall and remember? We had to. We had to make sure that she still could. Moxie. We, we had to make sure that mom was cognitive 
when we were going through visa. Otherwise, it's really, it's not legal. And and obviously, these questions get asked all the time. But wait, she has Alzheimer's, so how is she going to remember? And Wendy taught me this right off the bat. That's why you have to do it before the window. She has to know. And she has to be aware of why she's not, you know, making, she has to make this decision. No one else could have made this. And so really what she said when this list of things, reading, writing, she, she would just say when nothing matters anymore. Right. So really her days went to, I don't really want to go with that person. I don't want to socialize because she was very social. She watched a lot of TV and she's just like, you could just see exactly a year ago, she was getting closer and closer. And then I, I, the way that I remember this and I, it's interesting, you and I have never talked about this, but what I remember is that in April, she was with Wendy, I believe at your home, and her two grandchildren walked in, Wendy's two oldest, and she asked Wendy, who, who are those boys? And then she was like, okay, that's a really big sign. And then that same week, she had to deal with some insurance and some billing things. And David, her husband, called, and it was on speaker, and they asked, when were you, what's your birth date? And she yeah. didn't remember, and what's your address? And she didn't remember, and like those two. Two huge things was like, we have to make a plan. Yeah. This is happening. The beauty is that mom could see it on her own. And Mm -hmm. so we were really, really fortunate for that because I know there were times that Sarah and I would be up late at night having nightmares that we were going to have to say, mom, we have to do this now. You know, because ultimately, and she would have been okay, I believe, but she actually, there were two occasions once when, no surprise, we were meeting with the um the funeral planners and it was on the anniversary of her parents death she wanted to do that and so we sat down and i was giving a little bit of the background to mom's disease and that knowing that like the time frame it might be two months it could be six months somewhere around then and right away she said oh it's two months it's going to be closer i mean it's the way to describe it to people is like for her she could be here and doing this a little bit and then it's like a really bad acid trip you could just see it. I'll never forget. Yep. We were in Kowalski's once, and she looked at me. She's like, where are we? Where are we? What's going on? What's going on? I mean, can you just imagine out of the blue going on an Horrifying. acid trip, like a bad one? Yeah. And so yes. you just... But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's part two of this conversation yeah. is done. That's another episode. Yeah, mushroom trips. Yeah. I think those are more gentle. <laughs> well, it depends. And I mean, I, one time when we sat as a family, I mean, she just said, you guys, I'm, um, I'm having a really hard time knowing how to wipe myself. And like just those significant things she knew. And then, and then as we got closer to setting the date, it was, um, she would look, you know, at either one of us, whoever she was with and say, so we're going to do this in a week or two. But you have to remember, she doesn't know days very well. Right. And by do this, go into a little. Okay. So. I mean, Wendy will obviously know way more about this, but what we what you do in VSAT is that a week prior to the date that you are choosing to start, you bring your calories down to 500 a day to Oof. help your body. Okay. Um, one of the most amazing memories that all of us forget is, never forget that we had a, a last supper. Um, all of us came, grandchildren came and ate and drank and just- What did you have? She wanted pasta. Oh. And chocolate cake. Yep. Oof. That's yeah. a beautiful okay. last yeah. We talked about first, second, and third base with her two grandsons. And, oh, yeah. that's yeah. so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so really, we were doing very intentional things. Okay. Fortunately and unfortunately, the social calendar, I mean, everybody had wanted to come see by. And what we really realized was it was really hard on her. 
you know, holding that space and, yeah. and people saying goodbye was, you know, we have our own friends that want, it was just, it was a lot. And I don't think mm -hmm. we would do it any differently um, because she loved it, but mm -hmm. yeah. And then do you want to just start on, you know, May, so May 18th was the day, but several days prior you start, okay. huh? I think it was the 22nd, wasn't it? Somebody look it up Thursday. Okay, I, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, you meet, you meet with the care provider team. So we had hospice. Yeah. And so in those three years that we first brought in hospice, um, it, the order of things changed a little bit. And so they were needing to have a psychiatric evaluation of mom, um, and work with palliative care for a bit before we started, which makes sense because it is not a normal thing to say, you know, and, and I think that that's a whole other discussion for a different time because sure is. I think um, healthcare providers are having to figure this out. And even in a, one large system, it depends on the doctor that you're speaking to and the relationship yep. that you've had with this doctor for them to really understand, okay, she's being intentional. This is what she's wanted for a while. Yep. And I will grant her hospice. And hospice but, isn't necessarily about end of life urgently anymore. It used to be considered months, for that. Six months, right. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, but hospice, you know, you, mom wasn't going to die naturally in six months. That's she would right. have died in a year to two to three. Oh, that's Okay, so you horrible. do this last dinner and then you go down to 500 calories. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm kind of curious about not only the body's response to that, but the mental response to that. And I'm wondering if you might respond to that. I mean, just in general, it's just it's like more exhaustion. Yeah. Um, obviously, because of the the being the social too and she, agitation. Well, she started. She was on anxiety medication right away. Sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, you really have to have okay. hospice day one, ideally. Sometimes wow. I've heard okay. you can start day three or four. If that's what that's your only option, yep. and people maybe are already on a medication. Um, but ideally, you know, you have this team. You've had conversations. You have the medical equipment there. Um, you have and, a hospital bed. Right. It's yeah. about comfort and it's about managing comfort. the stress and the distress. Mm -hmm. and So when you also have to be really thoughtful to make sure there's no um, food smells, any coffee smells that all had to be outside. Right. Um, we created signs on the doors. So you were intentional about coming into this space. So mm -hmm. you left all of your... Um, hopefully your phones, your food and drink, everything outside. You left your shoes outside. You took a deep breath. You thought of your times with mom and how grateful you were for this moment and then yep. walked in. So that's kind of, we were really thoughtful about about that because she she did love her coffee. Oh, yeah. And um, so before I had the experience of um, supporting mom with VSET, I had a client one year ago or a year before that. Um, who had Huntington's disease, and he mm -hmm. was a late 48-year-old 48 48-year-old 48 um, man, and he um, he was able to V-SED in 10 days, and he did it um, without ever asking for water. And so I had seen that and um, and thought, okay, you know, maybe mom will ask, but no, it probably, she'll, she's going to be distracted. And when she does ask, we have a plan. And the plan is that we will be spraying bits of water in her mouth. Mm. We will be giving her cold spoons to suck. We will rub her feet. We will brush her hair. We will change the music. Sing, sing, sing. We will sing. Oh, yeah. Constantly. There was never not music going. Right. So we had all of these plans. What we weren't planning on is, you know, what you don't know is that between her dehydration, because she really wasn't drinking anything the day before either, um, her Alzheimer's disease in general, and then just being on strong medication, 
um, day one, she forgot that she wasn't supposed to be drinking and yeah, why, and bet. kind of why. I bet. Yeah. And we would remind her and sometimes, and she would, she'd get pissed and she'd roll her eyes, but she'd get it. Um, but it was not, you know, it was not the clarity. There was some clarity the first day one through three or four, but then it was, um, it went, fast. It, it went so really fast. fast. She didn't recognize us the second day. Well, she oh. thought you were her dog. Let's be honest. I did. I her dog? Yeah, yeah I have it all in video. <laughs> so she's what like, kind of dog does she have? Hi, Pippa. Oh, she has a dog. Pippa? My mom doesn't oh. like dogs. She's like, hi, Pippa. And, and, and then oh my, my mom looks at me and she goes, I don't think that's Pippa. I was like, oh no, it's funny. And then I lost it because, and then that next day I walked in the room. And she asked Wendy who I was. Yeah. And that was hell. It was a hell. And yet you're like, but this is what we have to do. So yeah, the dehydration. Yeah. Um, and then day five was when we decided to start morphine because the agitation was um, too much. Yeah. She slept in her bedroom with David on the second floor the first two nights. And then on the third night, she was too weak. So um, then, oh, and we had in-home 24-hour care. We hired a nurse. Um, who had had a relationship with my mom before. Mm -hmm. So my mom was very comfortable with her. Mm -hmm. um, I slept there every night. My fiance slept there, the nurse, and then David, her husband, who we didn't wake up whenever there was things because she obviously by day three um, had was going to the bathroom, eliminating in her bed. And we never, yeah. we never had to do diapers, which I was really thankful for because that felt like a dignity thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, but if she went, she could tell she was irritated and we'd change her and... Um, it went, it was the biggest shock for both of us is that we thought we'd have just like more heart to heart conversations and, you know, Wendy was going to read her, her eulogy, but, um, she was so, we haven't brought this up yet, but the biggest thing that she said over and over again is I'm not scared of dying. Oh, I just God. don't want to leave. Oh, that just yeah. breaks my heart. And that feels I don't probably want the good so buying. honest. I don't want yep. the good buying, you know? And yep. so yes. that was obviously the hardest part but she she was so ready she never was scared of where she was going to go i think she was really excited to see her parents oh my gosh yeah. that's so yeah. beautiful i mean she really was at like day six or seven if she said anything it was like enough already yeah enough i where are my parents i'm done mm -hmm. yeah so how long did this last nine and a half days nine and a half days yeah. so that feels fast in some ways and yet the deprivation of Nutrients, etc. It makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And watch. Yeah, well, it, you know. Would well, you know what the average is, by the way? I mean, it's about that. Is it's it? about. Okay. I mean, they say ten to fourteen, but it can happen. You know, it it so depends on if somebody has been sick before, yep. and it could take three or four days. You know, if they just hadn't been, you know, like intentionally, they maybe they it, they were older, or right. they just like no one had noticed they were eating or drinking, and they just stopped. So it could be three. You hear about twenty days sometimes, but. I mean, when mom had her um, physical a few days before. They I, scared she, us. Well, they, they scared, the doctor scared Sarah and David just because they said, you know, her vitals are strong. She could live 20 days. And I was like, she, it, oh, if she doesn't gosh. have, I mean, it can happen, but rarely, especially if you have. Well, and we had already rented water. the venue for the funeral. So yeah, like, we were real stressed <laughs> out. See, let's speed this up. Yeah. Um, Which, wanna... by the way, she planned every detail of the funeral. She okay, named the cocktail. That. She had the playlist. She couldn't uh, do uh, read, write, play piano. So she was an artist. So she did art her last very the few years. And so we had all the art up. I mean, she picked the place that yeah. she wanted this party. And she'd go to these these meetings we'd have the, yeah. in organizing it. And she's like, this sounds like so much fun. Yeah. She's like, shit, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. No, seriously. I'm going to be there, but I'm not yeah. going to be there. And, and just to finish, you had asked before the like, moments. So mom was so planful that 
two, three hours after she had died, and um, her body was about to be removed from her room that she had visited it in, um, her caretaker started playing this one very sort of like Italian opera emotional piece. Ooh. And it was blasting from the steps. And her spouse, David, was saying, no, Pauline, not, we cannot play that music. No. And then Pauline's like, but Cheryl asked me to. She I told me, her. I, told, I promised her I would play it when she was being removed. Uh, yep. and, and then David was like, you crazy woman. Like you're still, you still are involved in your death and yep. you've been gone now for three hours. I mean, she took us both shopping for our funeral dresses. She bought both of our funeral dresses. Uh, Sadly, we didn't wear them. <laughs> oh, no. I know. You know what? I'm lying in other occasions. What I'm assuming is that on the other side, all of those petty earthly things are gone, and she completely understands that you oh, needed to wear something Beyond different. understands. Oh, yeah. We both have been able to talk to her through a medium, and it's been oh, life-changing. And yeah, I mean, I knew it was her because she was like, you kind of drive me crazy sometimes. Oh, I want to know more about like how that nine days was for the two of you sure. and how you cope. And what you do to survive that time yeah. as well. We, we did different things. Very, the, the, this, is, the, here, this is exactly the difference. Wendy biked from Minneapolis way out to the western suburbs. It yep. was hot. She would bike and bike home. Sarah would usually start drinking around two. <laughs> <laughs> we heard yes. about your belly up. Belly up. That <laughs> is completely. And, I ne- and, and just, I mean, really, like, Wendy... And, is was the orchestrator she was like the planner did a i um finally after the fifth night of sleeping with my mom wendy's like you you, you can't oh, because it was just yeah. too it, i wasn't sleeping because anytime she moved i would be there so um i just i was yeah i i mean how did oh, it was a dance i mean this it, i i literally i wrote this and i i cannot stress this enough every single birth i have ever been to led me to support my mom in her death. Yeah. Yeah. It was so similar, it was beyond crazy. And yet it's, I mean, they're clients of mine. They're, no, they're people I right. love them because they're human beings, but so this was obviously very different. But the way that the dance happened, we would literally, people would come in and come out and we had a group text of the care provider, uh, my partner, Wendy, the nurse, and then my mom's two best friends that were there. And we'd be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take an hour alone with mom at four. Okay, you're gonna step in. Hey, um, my best friend came and picked me up and took me to Target, which by the way, I've never told her this. I had a whole entire cart full of stuff. I got went to the checkout, you know, self checkout. I did it all, and I went to the car, and I realized I never paid. <laughs> I was a little out of it. Thank you, thank you. She did like um, shoplifting, so that makes total sense. It totally does. Klepto. Oh, she, she was a klepto. So there was this beautiful <laughs> dance that would happen of like who can come and like what her energy is, and I mean, really, it's it's interesting because she was she was so out of it by the second day that she was just. Um, either in a, I don't, a, what is it called? A commo, a, a wheel. Comata? Oh, her, the, the, the it's like a really gorgeous wheelchair. It's a really yeah. nice one that goes up. We brought it outside and she could be outside. She was outside one whole entire day, Beautiful. but she was out of it that it, it that it, we, people were able to come and say goodbye and then it gave us respite. Oh. You know, when someone would come and they're like, can I sit with her? I'm like, do you mind? I need to go shower or I just need yeah. to take a break. So it was this gorgeous dance of community. Um, it really was. Say? No, I, mean, I think between my we had a, a we did a food train which saved us. Yeah. So, so, every meal. Wendy's like, we're gonna get a food train for three meals. I was like, 
Well, see this How again. I'm gonna fucking eat it, and you're not. No, <laughs> but, but it was so it was amazing. Perfect. Yeah, was and so that amazing. way people could be involved. And then we also, I mean, the the biggest part which we didn't foresee was that we had decided to create a website to educate moms' friends, so we could update them on every day. Yeah. And so, because there was just so many of them that we knew that it would be too hard to be texting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was a lifesaver. That website just grew more personal. We we opened up more than I was planning on but it actually was really healthy and helpful for others. Um, And so I think it between always being able to always call the hospice um, every day, one of the two doulas would show up and maybe Hospice only came every other day. That was a huge shock to me. That's fascinating. I I know it's normal, but like I was like, but she's dying. And they're like, but we're not here to say, you know. Isn't this a full time 24? No, they just literally came. They are 24 hours if you need them, but they're not going to stay there for 20 hours, but they can be, but they are on the phone for 24 hours. And they had you. Yeah. I mean, it, that was exactly it. It's like what a nurse says to me at a birth. They're like, I feel bad. I'm not really doing anything here. And I'm like, this is why they hired me. Like, I'm, I'm here to do this. So, yeah. yeah, between website, hospice, two death doulas around and, the clock. And a lot of music. There was a lot of vocals that came in. We had Peter oh. from Peter, Paul, and Mary Zooming us. We had Incredible. the Morning Star hospice group saying. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so every day we had different music. But then there was a day, it was the morning of day eight, where we all had a wall. And I think we knew that mom almost... Was like she she kept waking up and being present because these all these people were coming to see her and I'm like we we got to stop this. Like, well, you it, got like a clear hit. You were standing outside in the sun, right? Yeah. And you just got this clear hit of like, it, it, again, it's birth. Yeah. You don't invite all these people over. We actually needed to say no visitors today. She needs to actually start going to the other side, and that was. Like the biggest gift that Wendy totally knew that because in my world, I was like, let's keep the party going. Let's have it, you know, and and it was so great. So that was a Thursday. And then the next day, see, we did start on May 18th, a Thursday. Anyway, see Wendy. So, and then the next day, I'm not taking a side. When, <laughs> when the death doulas came, they were very clear. It will be between what did they say the first time? Six and eighteen hours, something like that. Six and twelve hours. When her oxygen level stopped. Yeah, I, I mean, they that. were just right there guiding us. I, I don't know how people do it without it. I would like to know. You know, in the aftermath of this, did you feel judgment from anyone? Did you? You said your half siblings struggled with the the religious component of it. Were there people at the memorial or friends or family that came forward and said, I can't believe you did this to her or whatnot? I know that's a harsh question. No, a, there were a but, few good friends of moms that vocalized um, their confusion of why she would die this way and that it just was against their beliefs mm-hmm. and that like, you know, they will die when God yeah. says they'll die. And yep. and mom, thankfully there was just only a few and, and it was still okay. And they, she even went to visit one the month before she died and they just didn't talk about it. They just talked about old times. Yeah, okay. you know, kind of interesting, yeah. but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but that was her longest friend and yep. then dearest oh. friend. So, it, so okay. it was okay. And um, and yeah, there were some harder discussions later on in the last year with friends that maybe we thought would be there and weren't in different ways. So you know, but I you do see that it's just like it a death. Quite, how people decide to go into death, it just it's so personal. So it's really hard not to judge. I think the biggest thing we heard was, especially just being out and about, but she's so okay and she can talk and she's normal. So a lot of people, even her care provider and I had a really hard talk, the woman that was with us. Mm. Um, She was like, but she could have three more great months. I'm like, you're right. And she, you know, but like she wants this. And this is exhausting. And she was ready. Can you imagine not waking up and not knowing what day it is and like who you're going to see? I mean, no, no. And 
I have a question that's gonna, so we wanna open up to questions that people probably have. And so we're gonna wrap this beautiful part up. I don't want to. No, we don't want to. Like I'm actually really just into this. um, And I will say that our producer just told us what time it is and I'm shocked. um, We're shocked. That it's already an hour and a half or so, close to. Um, But this is a fascinating story that I think everyone can resonate with the difficulty of talking about these issues. Again, there's a celebration. I appreciate you saying that, sir. There's a Mm -hmm. celebration on both ends. Um, and I realize you two are working so beautifully together um, as you as you support each other. You might di- not disagree. Uh, you might not agree on the date, um, but we'll, we'll figure that out later and find out who's right. And we'll make sure everybody knows. Thank you. So yeah, they can shame right. the person. Sarah or who, Wendy. Yeah, yeah. It's for um, sure going to be Wendy. I, so this thing. I, and, I can tell your yeah. confidence. Like, yeah. I know my this, mom and I have this thing. We're always certain, but we're often wrong. Oh, my God. I love yeah. that. I yeah. feel like you and I can really relate to that as well. I'm always right, though. So well, we can just I'm right short. just slightly more often are you? than you are. But oh, I just but don't tell you every time. Oh, can we keep going for a while on this and take the next half hour? I'm superior. Well, so can we I tell you? We didn't another, even go no, down we our have, questions. We have That's another okay. 20 amazing questions. But I'm wondering, do we <laughs> do we just want to do the tell Part me two. more and then open it up for questions? I would love. I don't even want to do the tell me more. Can we skip it? Yeah. I'd like people to be in the moment and ask questions. Okay. We're opening it up. Does anyone have questions? We have a microphone, by the way, for people. For these beautiful, brilliant ladies. Yes, there's a mic. So I think this question kind of ties into both of your jobs, but it's, it's technical and kind of dry. So the last two years, I've had the unintentional honor of being like an impromptu death and birth doula mm. for a friend that... Uh, carried a baby to full term that had genital birth defects. And also my best friend's daughter gave birth, like you did, Sarah, at 20 weeks. And I was there before, after, during. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to, you both try not to bring your own personal thing into, into your work, and you're there just to support. How do you, and what do you know about resources, information, rights, um, especially, I don't think, I I watched a a documentary one time 13 years ago after my daughter was born, a home death on Netflix. I can't find it now. And I didn't even know that that was an option for you to, in Minnesota, it's legal. You could, you probably know a lot about it, Wendy. Uh, You can have your people, if there's no fall play or anything at home and do that process by yourself. You can even bury people in your yard if you do it the right way and have land. So how do you approach your clients um, without putting your desire into it and, and offering resources, information, and, and them knowing their rights? Um, well, it's there's we live in a city that has a lot of resources so i often send them to the minnesota death collaborative because on there um, there's resources to green burials um and i think what you start seeing too is that places like lakewood cemetery Mm. you know like death is cool (laughs) i'm just saying like it really is like the people the young people the energy around it i mean that sounds 
I don't even know how that sounds. But I like, like that it, reframe. I'm having a really hard time buying what you're saying. Oh, really? About. Okay. So people, no, but <laughs> how people, cool is death? No, no. By saying death is cool, I mean death is an interesting topic that people are really yes. wanting to focus on because they want to be giving people choices. Because they want, if you know, if you do want to have a green burial, if you do want to die at home, these are all possible things. Can you tell us what a green burial is? Um, well, there's so many um, layers of green burials. So, tell, tell them about mom. Um, well, mom decided that she wanted to not be cremated by fire, but by water. So there, that's a new way to... Aquamation. Uh, yeah. Wow. I don't know this. No, I've never it's, heard yeah. of it. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, and I think, and she would have had it sort of either way, but it was nice because this way it was a little, especially since her parents had died in a plane crash. We thought, you know, mom, oh. this is like, you know, nice because you're actually, you know, your body isn't being burned and it's like, you know, it's, it, there's acid in there, but it, it is all like it. And, and we, and she wanted for mom, she wanted to have her ashes spread in places that meant something, but um, and I, that sounded not um, so thoughtful as saying death is cool. So I, you should maybe edit that out. But my point no, is that it's, it's just people like, are talking about I, I'm what, yeah. So people like, you know, it's not the fact that someone even thinks that it's not okay to die at home is a right. shocker to me that, you know, and it, maybe that wouldn't have been a shocker five, 10 years ago. So I have to keep opening my mind to, you know, like how not close minded, but how our society has been for so long where you die in a hospital after fighting for your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then mm -hmm. your body will go to a morgue and then you will go to an open casket ceremony and you don't have to do any of that in that order or all of, you know, you can just decide, we're not going to have a ceremony or I want to die at home. And, and you can, of course you can hope these things and I'm not saying that always happens, but, um, to go back to your question, there's just, there's, um, you hit on many things. So I would have to kind of redirect you for specific ones, but I think, um, now that there are communities that are really open to talk about it, if like, if you, I don't know that person or I, if I don't have that information, I can get you that information. And we can and I, put everything in the show notes too. Um, I'm thinking that this is going to go out on the 30th and I will make sure that whatever resources these two lovely ladies are putting out there today, I'm going to have in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And I'll just address the piece about you saying like we bringing in our own stuff and how do we separate that? What I've really, really learned is that when I can sit and ask the right questions and then pause and listen, which can be challenging. <laughs> Stop talking, Zara. Your mother um, taught you that. Exactly. Uh -huh. um, when I keep saying, tell me more, what are you, when you say that, I hear you say this. Am I hearing you correctly? And then you can actually pull back the layers to realize that, no, actually, they, they really do want this choice or this choice. And so, again, it's that tour guide where they're saying, well, no, 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 I really do want lasagna. I really do want lasagna. I'm like, okay, well, I want to let you know the place that you're going to do this. They actually don't know how to make lasagna. They only how to know how to make stir fry. And so I just am constantly giving those resources and information. But most importantly, I want them to hear what they are saying. Because if I can say what I hear you say is, mm -hmm. then, especially if it's a couple, talk about a couple thing, because then the partner will be like, wait, what? Yeah, they talk about like weird events. I, a woman hired me for her cesarean birth and I went to meet and the husband didn't know that that's what she wanted. And he's like, no, we are not having a cesarean. I was oh, like, ah, no. you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's peeling back like really what their intention is. and And then the big one is, and what if that doesn't happen? Because planning, as we know, yeah. yeah. The universe laughs. It does. Good laugh. 
Another question? Uh, this has been really fascinating. I think you need a now what and that now what episode for afterbirth and the after death and everything you've planned for getting up to that point. But then are you volunteering? No, no, I'm not at all. Nobody wants me to do that. But my question is for Wendy, really related to the and now what and how you coach conversations or lead conversations with family members that have differences in religious beliefs about what happens Mm. after. When my grandfather passed away, he was a devout atheist and I grew up in a very, very deeply religious family. It was just never spoken about. We all knew it, but nobody ever spoke about it. And I know that's one of the things that keeps a lot of people in my family from healing because there's a, they, you know, according to their beliefs, they have a belief of where he is. We all know that's not the case, but it keeps a people, keeps a lot of people from healing. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that conversation, preparing for death. Mm-hmm. when there might be differences of opinion about what happens after. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Now, I, my first gut, and thank you for sharing that, is it's a lot about stories because ultimately, you know, it's about your grandfather's legacy. And so you're never going to, well, you might not change anyone's opinion about what's happening to him after and afterlife and if he's coming back as somebody, if or he's with you now, or but where where he still plays into your lives now, I think you all could relate to that um, between mannerisms and um, things he taught your family and um, and traditions for sure. Rituals has a lot to do with it. So pausing on his birthday or yeah. the anniversary of his death, um, I think. It's just, you know, we're, we don't do a lot of that, you know, we're, and I mean, grief is just such a massive, um, it's a, it's a topic that people don't like to, to bring up, but it's also like, we have grief. We live with grief every day for some, all, you know, all different reasons. We always, all have, always, it's right? everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I do highly recommend the Anderson Cooper podcast, by the way. Yep. It oh, is incredible so because he really knocks it out. Francis Weller, the, I think it was the second one he did. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I think you just, you can't push it. You know, you're never, you're not going to change your family's um, religious aspects on what's happening but you can um but but you can honor him the way you know you can you can create your own altar for your grandfather and it doesn't have to be just on day of the dead or just in his birthday you know i would just i would talk to him i would keep him alive in your life as much as possible mm-hmm. i would add a couple of things to this as well my graduate research was on the use of ritual and the grieving process for persons dying of hiv and aids and what i found interesting ryan to go off your question is that everyone I interviewed for this qualitative research had a very clear sense of what was going to happen. Like their sense of spirituality had intensified dramatically in their, in their final days. Like they felt that connection. They were seeing uh, members of their family come into the room. I remember every time I went to go visit one of my clients in adult foster care for persons living with HIV, that person would like see somebody come in the corner. And I'm like, can you tell me who you're seeing? And he's like, it's my mom. I'm like, I'm really freaked out, but I'm also really grateful because it was very peaceful for this person to have that experience. And what I would say also in terms of like, as a therapist working with these issues, we help families talk about it. You know, everyone gets to have their own point of view, but the person is gone and everyone gets to believe what they get to believe. I think it's unfortunate there's conflict about that because it would be so much more supportive to be able to be there for one another in that way. 
And then it makes me wonder if the missing piece is also forgiveness. That, you know, forgiveness of whom? Of the, the judgy family members, of the way, I mean, whatever it is, it's in all of us. It's the grudges we hold and the anger we have. It's only really hurting us. Yeah. And so you're right. Nobody wants, no one's going to change their mind about what's happening, but you can rise above and honor him the way that feels good to you. And it says more about them than it says about anyone. Else. Or you could just refer them to our podcast um, a year yes. ago. I think you were going to say refer them to us, and I was going to say no, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> this is what I would say, though. And it's funny, you guys. If anybody has seen our Kaya episode a year ago on Halloween, our, the psychic was on, and I said, all right, there's no way that Donald Trump goes where I go after this death. Where does he go and where do, you, where do I go? And she said, you're going to hate my answer. We all go to the same place. I'm like, nope, oh, I do hate your right. answer. I want a different one. Uh, but she kind of said, we all go to the same place. And I remember thinking, oh, I hate that answer. I kind of want to fuck off a little bit more. I want to rip off people a little bit more, but I don't. That would not make me feel good about this life. But I hated the answer. And she said, well, that's what the answer is. That's what it is. Too bad. It's called the source. You have to pay extra for a different answer. Yeah, I kind of don't like it. But I live well. I treat other people well. I I try anyway. So, yeah, have them listen to the podcast and they'll freak out. (laughs) Anybody else have a question? This may be a really short question or answer based on your experience, but... Given the um, number of people that have trouble having uh, children or families that may go through surrogacy or adoption, mm-hmm. have you ever been in a situation and had to deal with the uh, nuances and, and dual families in a room? That's a lovely question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I was going to say, where's Sarah Brianna out there? So, yeah, so we as a as a birth doula for, you know, two plus decades, um, <clears throat> One of, one of, I just had this discussion. One of the hardest ones is when a family's going through a divorce and, uh, and, and one of them is birthing. Um, that's, that's the real tricky one because they have, are pregnant, they chose this child, they're married, or maybe they didn't chose this child, they're married and they're navigating a divorce. Um, does that partner come? Do they not? Does it trigger them? So there's that. Um, there is the adoption piece, which is huge. So Sarah Brannett, so I really check out my, my belly up podcast all about surrogacy. Cause we have someone who was a surrogate, Sarah, and then someone who had, uh, adopted. Is it technically called adopted? No. Sure. Intended parents. Um, I mean, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to water down your question a little bit more to get a better, a clear understanding. Um, in situations such as that, in situations such as loss, definitely infertility, people who have struggled and have lost and struggled and had lost, a doula is even more crucial. Because what we know is that with multiple losses, one loss, and with any type of fertility journey, they wait so long to get pregnant. This is what they've been wanting that the actual pushing stage and literally opening their pelvis, opening their body to birth is very, very difficult because there's a sense of that's, no, I've been wanting this. I don't know if I can do this. Mm. Um, So it, it adds a whole other layer. And it's one where I would personally suggest a doula who has been around the block, um, who knows how to hold that space. And if it's not, maybe uh, if, if you can't, don't have access to a more veteran doula, maybe there are other resources and community groups. So I, 
Did I answer that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Come talk about it. Yeah. You guys, this was the most beautiful conversation. <laughs> we are so grateful. Thank you. It couldn't have been better. And it was, we laughed, we cried. Mm-hmm. There, the questions I did not amazing. cry. Thank did you, you cry so really? I cried okay. thrice. Okay, thrice. I did <laughs> not. Did you see? This was like a dangling oh, from I, my... Oh, I missed you. But it's I'm not sorry. stuck to your cheek this time. I know. Yeah. yeah, last <laughs> time I had a piece of toilet paper or something stuck to my cheek and everyone was talking to me like everything was fine. Well, guess what? We're not fine. <laughs> I think too after this segment like if I were to do like a whole workshop out of this we would do a writing exercise of what scares you of birth what excites you about birth what scares you about death what excites you about death and just like that's what we actually really need to do is peel back the layers of because I mean I can sit right here next to this amazing person who I know I'll die before her for sure she'll she'll guide me to the next realm it's the alcohol versus biking you have no idea you have no idea (laughs) and Doritos and I don't work out I mean I can go on and on I, I don't like, I think where I'm going, like my mom is pretty cool, but like, I really don't like, I'm scared to death. Like I'm really, and I watched it. And that's why she needs a death journal. So a that, death de- and that will be the next thing to have a death journal that everyone needs to have a death journal. What do you recommend people write about? Yeah. Well, but let's no, talk but about death journal. What do you, yeah. what do you the recommend people write? The death journal will have things that you want people to know about you. So if something oh, did happen yeah. to me on my way yeah. home today, then my husband isn't looking and trying to figure out what was that poem that she liked? What was that song that she liked? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. What does she really want to be remembered for? Is your service going to be like mom's and be two hours long? Can I Two hours. It'll be a weekend. A weekend at your cabin. At a safari. I'm going to start planning right now yeah. should we place bets on which four of us in order no, seriously I'm, <laughs> um, I'm gonna die first anyway <laughs> have us back please have us back yeah yeah let's do this, this is again. a hard conversation to actually end I feel like I have a million more questions for both of you we're not going anywhere I've kind of been mesmerized by <laughs> so many many nuances that I have I in terms of questions I love you both the thank you so much I did not know either of you before this I my my friend Sarah Meslow by the way Campo Dan is like please say hi to Sarah so everyone knows Knows you guys, Aww. and everybody's like telling me, like, say, say hi to them. Aww, um, so I'm really grateful for the two of you joining us. Thanks this was a blast. Us. Thank you again, Nick, for having us here. Yeah. This, um, this audience is fantastic. The I best like audience all... we've ever had. <laughs> They've had two. Out of two. <laughs> Out of that's two. Right. That's but right. most of the people that were here the first time are here. Some of them are back. Some are. That's a good compliment. <laughs> Some to stopped us. listening. They to weren't us sick probably. of us. Yet. No. That's really great. Thank you so much for coming out and watching. I hope that the rental chairs were comfortable and the, the mocktails and cocktails oh, and the purple rain and pain were good. Husband yep. made back there. Good job, Rob. Thank you, bartender Rob. Can I say one more thing? I was gonna ask. One more thing, Wendy I, wants to I was to gonna add. say if you're interested in grabbing oh, a postcard to write to your representative or senator. There are postcards in the back left to the bar um, regarding end of life option act for Minnesota. So grab a stack. Um, please also, please one more reach thing. out if you believe our, you want that as an option. Doesn't mean Wendy you have to take it. Wendy and I have it. a very best friend. It's her 51st birthday today and she's our biggest cheerleader for all birth and all death and everything. So a huge shout out to Jennifer David, but also to all of our, Wendy and I have a f- group of friends that got us through this i mean it is we all need community it is huge it is huge so thanks big thanks to them and our significant others thanks sarah you're right thank you